Welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. It has been a while. It has been a while, but I am still your host, Tyler Crawley, and I apologize for the absence. Um, I moved, and no, I did not buy a house. I know what you're thinking. Tyler, you do a podcast about mortgages. You must have bought a house. I did not. I am still renting. (laughs) I did not buy a house. So I am in the other category, the renting category, but it's taken me a little longer than I thought to set up my studio. And it may even take longer to get the full aspect of it back. I want to bring video back, do some YouTube videos, do some live streaming, but I'm having some issues with the internet and the camera and everything else. Things I did not necessarily plan for, so that will be a little more delayed. But the audio version, the podcast version of the show is back. And let's just jump straight into the news. The big story on Monday. Well, there was actually a lot of big stories. Uh, But the the first story that caught my eye on Monday morning was Home Builder Confidence. That comes out, uh, that came out at 10 a.m., and not surprisingly, economists had projected this home builder confidence fell for the fourth month in a row in April. This, according to the latest data from the National Association of Home Builders. So, month over month, the NAHB Wells Fargo Market Index fell two points to 77, which is precisely what economists had projected was going to happen. And it should be noted. This is the fourth month in a row it's declined, and it's the lowest level since September 2021. Now, how does this compare to a year ago? Well, a year ago, down five points from where we were in April of 2021. And this month's decline, a big part of it. So for the last couple of months, the decline has been led by the next six-month index, so kind of like what's going to be happening in the near future. This was actually, this decline was the traffic of prospective buyers index fell six points to 60. That's the lowest level we've seen since September, 2021. Now you're picking up on a pattern here. Good. Because that's kind of the theme for this report. A lot of this data is very similar to what was happening in September of 2021. Now the present index fell two points to 85. This was the second month in a row that has declined by two points. And interestingly enough, the leader for why the index has been falling this whole year was actually up. The next six-month index was actually up three points to 73 after a big 10-point drop in March. Now, looking at the regions Kind of interesting. So the West continues to hold the top spot despite a seven-point decline in April. They're now at 84, and this is the lowest reading since September of 2021. Now, the South actually was a close second. They had an index of 82, followed by the Northeast with an impressive jump. They were up nine points to 74, and the Midwest saw a massive drop to 61, a 13 point drop to 61. So as I mentioned, a lot of data points in this April report seem to match data that was being reported in September of last year. And if you remember what was happening in September of 2021, slowdown. Well, slowdown wasn't happening, but they were projecting that a slowdown was going to start 
at the end of the year. And so home builders, if you think about it, if you're a home builder and you think the housing market's gonna be slowing, your confidence is gonna start dropping. And so that is what we saw in September, which of course then we did see a slight slowdown at the end of the year. Unfortunately, soon after things began ramping back up and we got the very hot housing market that we are currently seeing. But it seems to indicate this data seems to indicate that rising rates are having their desired effect. Demand is starting to wane, which is helping to cool the market, and hopefully this will allow supply to catch up to some extent, at least better than it has been. And we've seen this in some reports. A lot of places, though, I will say here in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, the housing market is still very, very hot because we're a destination location. We're one of the places that's probably going to be the last place where you're going to start seeing signs of a slowdown. But even saying that, you're still hearing about maybe only 10 offers on a home (laughs) instead of 20 or 30 offers. So there's still competing bids. There's still bidding wars, but maybe just not as many as prices move up. And it's an interesting thing about this hot housing market because what's one of the big stories that everyone's been reporting on for probably about the last year and that has been Wall Street is buying homes. Now for the longest time, it was these iBuying programs. Remember the whole story about Zillow? We talked about it extensively here on the podcast where there was this TikToker who had this video come out about how Zillow was buying up all these homes and was manipulating the market in order to make money, then reselling the homes. And then, I mean, I'm not kidding you, within like a month, it turns out that Zillow was losing an extensive amount of money, so much that it led to them shuttering their iBuying program. And it led to them having to dump all of these homes for major losses. So basically the exact opposite of what this guy was arguing on TikTok. Now, oddly enough, that didn't stop him from arguing that somehow he was right at the end. Like, oh, I was I was arguing that Zillow was manipulating the market. I never said how he exactly said that's how they were doing it, that they were using it to make money and they were actually losing money. And he somehow still claimed to be a victor in the, or he was right in some way, which is very bizarre. But so now that that faded away. We need a new villain. We always need a villain, right? And the new villain was Wall Street. Wall Street's buying up homes. BlackRock's buying up homes. All these big firms are buying up homes. Well, we'll get into exactly why they're buying up homes. But now that has become the big threat. Oh, no. The reason that homes are unaffordable is because Wall Street is buying homes. And sure, if you look at the data, Wall Street is buying more homes than they normally did in a normal year. But these numbers are not unprecedented. When you read some of these reports, you would think that like 80% of home buyers are Wall Street firms. <laughs> when in reality, it's elevated. But when you look at the overall ownership rate, the majority of investment properties are owned by small business owners, or I should say people who maybe own another house as an investment opportunity, or maybe own two homes. That's still the majority of investment properties are owned by small business type people, not Wall Street and hedge funds and everyone else that you would think based on some of these headlines. Well, because people just see headlines and don't actually read or look at data, this is causing a lot of fear among neighborhoods and especially the always beloved 
HOAs. And there was a piece in the Wall Street Journal yesterday by Will Parker and Nicole Friedman looking at HOAs who are moving to block investors from buying homes in their neighborhoods. They write small groups of neighborhood volunteers are blocking companies from buying single family homes, rewriting homeownership rule book to thwart investor purchases of suburban housing. Now, one of the people they talked to is Chase Barrier, an HOA president in Walkertown, North Carolina, right here in North Kakalaki. He told the journal, quote, they're coming in, talking about these companies, and they're basically bullying people out with cash offers. And that's true. Wall Street is able to do that. They don't have to get a mortgage. But there also are small-time investors that are doing the exact same thing. And so that's one of the things that was never really made clear. Are they against all investment properties or just the Black Rocks being the ones buying the homes and hedge funds buying the homes and Goldman Sachs or whoever it may be? Now, Barrier went on to say that he plans to whip up support this summer for new restrictions on HOA rules saying, quote, we don't want a bunch of rentals. We paid money for houses to have families that are going to be there for years. And I think it's important to note that most of the time, these anti-investor activists claim that their concern is rooted in helping families afford to buy homes. So like, oh no, they're, they're raising the prices of these homes and it's pricing people out and that's so horrible and it's awful. However, if you ever read anything in depth like this Wall Street Journal piece, you'll actually find out the real reason. And it's simple, money. Parker and Freeman write in their piece that quote, these associations now believe that the rise in home purchases by rental investors has led to a decline in property maintenance and made their neighborhoods less desirable. And even Barrier himself told the journal, quote, he said some of the homes in the subdivision owned by investors now look shabbier and absentee owners are hard to contact to resolve problems. And so this has never been about other families. So don't don't believe that. When people oh it's, we're we're trying we want we want other families to I mean sure maybe they'd prefer that but that's not the root of their concern. It's about their family. They're worried that too many rental properties will make their neighborhood less desirable as the journal reported, which will lower home prices. Now of course nobody wants to see their home lose value. So their concern is rooted in a kind of human nature, greed. You know, people want to make the most money from their home. In fact, most of middle America, um, middle income individuals, their biggest retirement nest egg is their home. And so you don't want to see that lose value. But that's the reason. And I wish they would be honest about their motivation. The problem is that's not a great headline to be like, hey, we want our home to sell for the most we possibly can get for it. So that's why we're doing this. That's <laughs> that's not going to come across as them trying to help people. So instead they say, oh, we don't want BlackRock buying the home. We want a, a young family and make it affordable. And so they try and frame it in a way, but that's not really their concern. Their concern is that these hedge funds are going to buy all these homes, turn their neighborhood into a rental neighborhood, and their home is going to lose value because of that. That's 
what they're concerned about. But here's what's kind of funny about it is that if you actually like take their argument, and extrapolate it, it doesn't really make any sense. Because if too many rentals make a neighborhood less desirable, investors will be cognizant of that and will then limit their investments to avoid the depreciation of their investment. I mean, they're not going to buy all these homes and then cause the homes to lose value because that's one of the reasons why investors are buying these homes. I mean, sure, they get money from you know rent. They make money every month, but they also are hoping that keep have the asset gain in value. And so they don't want home prices to fall in that neighborhood. So they they probably know what number of homes in an area can be rental. And so either that will mean they'll limit or they're going to limit how many homes they're going to buy or that'll stop new investors from coming in. And if the alternative is true, then if let's say rentals don't dissuade future buyers, so companies say, oh, it actually isn't hurting values at all. Well, then their entire complaint is rendered untrue. (laughs) So, I mean, the reality is, is that Wall Street only puts money in places where it's going to make money. It doesn't do it for any other reason. I I know people watch a lot of movies and they think there's these alternative reasons why Wall Street does what it does, but they do it to make money. And so if the argument is, is that if too many big hedge funds buy homes in an area and there's too many rental units, that's going to hurt the price of those homes, which would then affect rent. Well, they're not going to do that. (laughs) They're not. I mean, the reality is investors are piling money into real estate because one, rents are going up and homes are appreciating at about a 20% clip right now. However, now that rates are into the fives, signs of a slowdown are beginning to form as we just discussed. My guess, this is me, Tyler Crawley, is that by the time the HOAs get all of this figured out, all these new rules and everything to stop big time investors, they're already going to be moved on to a new investment. They're not even going to care. And what's going to be really funny is these HOAs that are putting in these very stringent, just overburdensome regulations. What they will accomplish is they're going to make their their neighborhood less attractive to future buyers. Not like Wall Street. I mean, like regular people. They're going to go look at these regulations. I'm not moving into this HOA. I'm not living here. So it's funny that they're actually probably going to end up doing more damage to their neighborhood by putting in these just crazy burdensome regulations than if they would just let the market work. Few rentals, Wall Street comes in, after a while they're going to they're going to they're going to move on. And <laughs> they're probably going to do more damage than BlackRock <laughs> or Goldman Sachs or whoever is buying up all these houses, these evil, evil, big Wall Street banks and everyone else. I, I guarantee it. I guarantee it. That's going to end up happening is these HOAs are going to become so overregulated. Regular people. Whoa, I'm not moving in there. Like, look what they did. They've made it like impossible to buy a home in this neighborhood. No, I'm not doing it. We're moving on. Um, all right, real quick here. I'd mentioned, I want to go back real quick to home builder confidence. So what, what's one of the areas that saw the biggest drop month over month? The Midwest, big drop to 61. Now the, they are distant fourth of the regions at 61. And it's fascinating because there was a piece over at Bloomberg by Jonathan Levin who said, quote, if you're wondering where the US real estate market might start to show its first cracks Keep an eye on Boise, Idaho. The pandemic work from home anywhere revolution transformed it into one of the hottest markets in the United States, but home prices are leveling off. Typical home values in Boise rose just 0.4% last month, which by the way, 
if you're looking at an annualized rate, that's about normal, what you would expect to see. So what is that? You times that, that's almost 5%. That's actually above normal. <laughs> that's not bad. That's almost 5%. That's pretty good. But that's down significantly from the 4.1% they saw in June. So in June, they were rising 4% a month. Now that makes it, Levin writes, the first of the country's top 100 housing markets to flirt with falling prices this year. And it's also the, one of the places that's the least, I don't want to say desirable. I'm not you know, trying to crap on the Midwest, but I'm saying you know, people are going to want to be near the beach. You know, Down here in Wilmington, people are going to want to be near a big city. The places where you're first going to start to see people kind of wonder, eh, do I really want to move there? You're going to see it happen in the Midwest. Because that was the place that everyone was surprised by when all of a sudden, all of this money, all of these people flooded to that area. You know, sure, here in Wilmington, it went crazy, but it's been going like, it's been crazy for a decade. And so, yeah, I think the place where you're going to see the biggest, I should say the, the biggest or most drastic change is the place where you're going to start seeing it pull back first. And so Levin is saying, look to Boise. And I would say that's pretty good arguments. I would agree. I would concur with Levin on this issue. All right, we got to go. It's good to be back, guys. I will see you tomorrow. Oh, and by the way, tomorrow we'll be talking about housing starts. That comes out earlier. I should say later today. I say earlier today. Does it get, does it get earlier today? <laughs> when do I usually release this? 4 a.m. That comes out later today. And then we'll also talk about the New York Fed survey. That actually came out on Monday but we didn't have time to get to it today. So we'll talk about it on tomorrow's pod. So you guys enjoy your Tuesday. We'll see you back here Wednesday morning for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. <laughs>